Amen. Amen. All right. The title of the sermon this morning is Lay Aside the Sin. Lay Aside the Sin. I want to focus here in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, the Bible reads, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Then Paul says this, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So oftentimes, as Paul does, he will liken the Christian life unto athletics, or specifically oftentimes he likens it as he does here, unto a race. One of the things that he says is very interesting it, there, if you, if you pick up in uh, about halfway there, he says, let, look at that right there, the beginning of that clause, let us lay aside every weight. So notice he uses the word weight. Now this is used also in other places. I'm not going to demonstrate this right now, but this is used also in other places in the Bible to refer to our sin. We can see here it's used synonymously. It says this, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So notice he says first the weight. Let us lay aside the weight. And I believe that this application is perfect in the context of speaking about a race. Because he's talking about running a race. Now what's the worst thing? If you wanted to sabotage someone else that's maybe running in a race with you, you wanted to make sure that you won, what would you do to everyone else? Maybe, maybe uh, you know, go behind him and tie a bunch of weights on him, right? So that's, of course, why this is being used in this context. So he says, if we're gonna, the race that we're running, the Christian life, what we need to do in order to be successful, what we need to do in order to win the race, to finish the race, is to take the weight and to set it aside. That's why he says, let us lay aside every weight. And then he says, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. So what is that weight in our lives that's keeping us back? What is it that stops us from being successful or finishing the race? It is the sin. And notice what it says as well. This is a, a, a good, fair warning. It says, the sin which doth so easily beset us. Which doth so easily beset us. You know, sin in our lives, getting the sin out of our lives can be very difficult. It can be very hard in order to get the sin out of our lives sometimes. And as a new Christian, you know, uh, of course, we, uh, we should start, of course, purging out the larger sin in our lives. But as we grow as Christians, we're never going to reach the point of, of, of sinless perfectionism, right? The Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You're always going to have some sin in your life. It's impossible to get rid of all the sin. But we should strive to get sin out of our lives. And this should be on a daily basis. Now, oftentimes as Christians... Christians are focusing on their to-do list, aren't they? And probably you can relate to this yourself. You're oftentimes focusing on the new things you want to add to your Christian life. The more you want to do, maybe you want to read your Bible more often. Maybe you want to add the amount of chapters you're reading daily. Or maybe you want to add memorization you know, to your Christian life. Maybe you want to you know, uh, start following more of the commandments stricter, right? Or just adding anything. Maybe you want to start going soul winning more often. Whatever it may be. But really, where it needs to start in order to, to further ourselves or advance in the Christian race, it needs to begin with setting aside the weights. What be, it would be almost like a person training every day, but then when they go to race, they have all these weights that they could take off, but they just leave the weights on. I mean, obviously, you see how ridiculous that is. So what the problem is in most Christians' life, it's not the things that they're, they're the positives that they're doing and that they need to do more. 
Really, in order to be able to do more, to be able to advance in the Christian life, what they need to do, it's just as easy as just taking off the weights. It's taking the sin first and setting the sin aside, and then that enables us to be able to do more in our Christian life. So, this morning, I'm going to be giving you a very practical, uh, personal sermon. And I want this to be also a template for going forward on laying aside the sin. So, I'm going to be giving you the biblical recipe for getting sin out of our lives. What the steps are in order to get sin out of our lives. Now, of course, there are other character aspects to this, and I'll be mentioning them you know, uh, as we go, alluding to them more, more so. But I'm going to be focusing on the two steps that we need to have as Christians in order to get sin out of our lives. And I want this to be personal for you. You don't always do this, but this is how it should be when something is preached on. You should stop, you should listen to the sermon, you should apply it personally to you, and then you should go out and you should practice it. It should be something that is practical. These types of sermons are the sermons that change people's lives. These types of sermons, it's not that I'm preaching, it's that the, these subjects from the Bible are the things that will change people's lives, and it's because it's practical. People like hearing you know, uh, uh, you know, sermons on doctrines that are maybe very interesting to think about and very deep in the Bible. But this, this type of subject, a subject that can be applied to your life, is really what's going to help you the most in your Christian life. So I want you, while I'm preaching this, I want you right now to go ahead in your mind. I want you to identify a few sins that are in your life that you want to get rid of. I want you to think of a few very obvious sins, whatever they may be to you, something that you know that you struggle with, whatever it is. You know, uh, whether it's maybe dishonesty, you know, whether it's maybe, you know, just lust, maybe whether it's, you know, uh, envy or pride or, or, or covetousness, whatever it may be. Think of problems that you struggle with daily, sins that you have daily, and this should be step one for getting the sin out of your life. And actually apply these things in your life, because if you want to go on and do more in the Christian life, it's not going to be, hey, I'm just going to go soul winning more often next week. It actually starts with taking the weights aside and laying the weights aside. It starts with taking the sin and laying the sin aside, getting rid of the sin first. In order to be able to do more, you have to create room, right, in your life. Well, you have all this sin in your life that you have to first get rid of. You have to rid of that first in order to be able to do more uh, for Christ. I want you to turn with me to Numbers chapter number 5. The book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number 5. We're going to begin here with the very first step of getting sin out of our life. And this is very consistent from beginning to end in the Bible. And that is, before we do anything, we need to acknowledge that sin and confess that sin to God. We need to acknowledge that sin and confess it. We're going to see <clears throat> here that this was actually what, in the Old Testament, God had the nation of Israel do when they were to sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, of course, sacrifices, the Bible says that the blood of bulls and of goats, uh, it's impossible that the blood of bulls and of goats can take away sin. It's not possible, right? It wasn't for their salvation. Of course, that was. it's always been through Christ. Christ you know, is the Savior of all men. He died for the sins of the world. And it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that one can go to heaven. Even in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were for the relationship that the Christian or the saved man would have between God and himself or even the nation as a whole. It is how they retained a good relationship with God. Of course, they would continually sin. The saved man would sin. But what would he do? 
He would have to keep that relationship close or tight with God and he needed to confess that sin and he needed at that time they would go and they would offer that sacrifice which was a picture of Christ to come. But I want you to notice here Numbers chapter number 5 verse number 6. So we'll read verse 5 first. It says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. When a man or woman shall commit any sin that men commit to do a trespass against the Lord and that person be guilty. Notice what it says in verse 7. Then they shall confess their sin which they have done. And he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof and add unto it the fifth part thereof and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. So I want you to notice in the Old Testament when God addresses the entire nation of Israel, he says, he gives you the guidelines, hey, if any man sins against me, if you have a transgression or if you have a sin or if you have committed a sin against God, do you know what step one is? Number one, if any man or woman commits a sin that, it, that, that any man may commit, it says, I want you to first confess that sin. That is the very first step to getting sin out of your life. Obviously, even on any level, even in any area of life, even in a secular uh, perspective, in order to first fix a problem, you have to admit that you have a problem, right? Even when it comes down to uh, you know, the world's philosophy and the world's you know, wisdom, uh, as far as like addicts, you know, they have AA. What do they tell you? What's the first step to recovery? Admitting that you have a problem. Well, they got one thing right. The world's wisdom's right, at least there, right? The very first step is confessing it. You have to acknowledge your sin. And not only that, you need to confess that sin to God. Now, you don't confess your sins to me. You don't confess your sins to a priest. You don't, you know, we don't stand up here and, you know, we're, we're going to bring up Brother Russell first and then Brother Hall and just tell us the deep, dark, you know, sins that you have in your life. You know, that, that's not what you do, right? It, we, you know, we don't confess our sins to man. We confess them to God. That's why we confess them to the Lord Jesus Christ because He is God. I'm not going to go confess my sins to a priest when he has probably, you know, I don't, I don't know this to be a, a, a fact, but most likely he has more sins than I have myself, right? So, uh, you know, it, that's why we confess our sins directly to God is because, you know, uh, God obviously, you know, man is a sinner. You know, man can't do anything for me. I need a mediator. I need, you know, uh, the, the holy, harmless Christ there to mediate between God and man. So that's why we aren't going to confess our sins to man. We confess them directly to God. Leviticus, excuse me, Leviticus chapter number 16, verse number 21 says this, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him, all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgression, transgressions and all their sins putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. So, of course, these sins are, order, are, are, are in order to reconcile their relationship that they have with God. All of these different acts that they're doing, these sacrifices, uh, they're trying to bring back their relationship with God. And what is the reason why they do this particular practice? They want to build that relationship back, isn't it? Right? That is the whole reason of the sacrifice. So, what's the very first step that we see each time? It says that they confess their sins. So, if we want to get our heart right with God, the very first thing that we need to do is we need to confess our sins. We need to acknowledge our sins and we need to confess our sins to God. Turn with me to Psalm chapter number 32. Psalm chapter number 32. Leviticus chapter number 26 verse number 40 reads, 
If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with, with their trespass which they have trespassed against me, and that also they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob and also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham and so forth and so forth. So notice there, a specific instruction again given to Israel. They're in a bad place right now. In this particular uh, chapter in Leviticus uh, 26, he's talking about how their relationship has been broken and he's punishing them. It's like when they are sent into Babylon, right? Uh, or maybe one of the other nations comes in and they, God brings his wrath upon them. He's destroying the city and all of that. God's saying, hey, you want to know how to fix this? You know, the whole problem is that we have a problem with our relationship between God and the nation of Israel. Do you know how to fix it? He said that they need to acknowledge their sin and they need to confess it to God. That is always how, on a personal level, how the nation of Israel, how anyone ever, if they get out of, the, uh, you know, if they get out of uh, you're walking in the light and, and have a poor relationship with God, the very first thing, before you do anything else, it's not, hey, I need to just start going back to church. Hey, it's good to go to church, right? The very first thing that you need to do before you do anything is confess your sins. Yes, definitely you need to go to church if you're not going to church. You need to start reading your Bible. You need to start doing all those things. But first you need to get the things right that you've, that you've wronged in the past. Right? You need to fix those things first. You need to confess your sins to God. So I had you turn to Psalm chapter number 32. Psalm chapter number 32. We're going to read there in verse number 5. Psalm chapter number 32, verse number 5. The Bible says in verse number 5, watch this, I, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. One thing I want you to notice is here, he says, I acknowledge. Notice he says that first, he said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and then he just repeats the same thing again. What does he say the next time? I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. So what we're doing when we're confessing our sins is we are acknowledging our sin. We are acknowledging our sin. We need to acknowledge the sin. We need to acknowledge the problem before we begin to resolve the problem. We need to first admit that we have a problem. And we don't confess it to man. We confess it to God. And what's the result of it? It says, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So what do we need to do in order to receive forgiveness from God? We need to confess our sin. We need to acknowledge our sin. Before we go forth and start trying to fix all the problems in our life as far as getting the sin out of our life, we first need to receive forgiveness from God. If you, This is the reason why. You say, well, it makes sense to me that you should just start going to church and start doing all the right things. You still have a rift in your relationship with God. God's not blessing you. God is not, you know, God, obviously nothing can, as a saved person, you can never lose your salvation. Salvation, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Of course, I understand all that. But that doesn't mean that God can't be unhappy with you. That doesn't mean that you can't be under the wrath of God as far as God's punishing you as a Christian. Like we were reading in Hebrews 12, talking about the chastening of the sons of God. So what the very first thing you need to do is you need to repair the relationship between you and God. 
Or God's just going to keep punishing you for the sins of the past. God, you're going to still be under you know, the punishments of God. You're still going to be under the chastening of God. So before you move forward, before you do anything, the very first step is acknowledging your sin and confessing. Whatever sin that that may be in your life, you need to acknowledge that sin. And then you need to take that sin in prayer. It's between you and God. It's private. It's not with other people. And you need to confess that sin directly to God. He's the only one that can forgive sins. I can't forgive your sins. You know, the priest can't forgive your sin. Only God can forgive your sin. So you need to take that sin, you need to acknowledge it, and you need to confess it to Christ. Amen. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1. Look with me at verse number 6. Nehemiah chapter number 1, verse number 6. It says this. Look at verse 4 first. We'll read the context. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Look at verse 6 now. Let thine ear now be attentive and, the, and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and watch this, and he says, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee. And have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. So notice this is at the very beginning of the book of Nehemiah. And of course they go and, and they, they go back and they're rebuilding the city and the wall with Ezra and Nehemiah and all of that chronologically. But what do we see at the very beginning? Before he does anything, before he goes back and starts doing a great work and starts getting things right and keeping the commandments and all of that, what do you see happening in the very beginning of Nehemiah when he wants to repair the relationship? The very first thing is he, he admits that they have done wrong. He confesses the sins of himself, the sins of his fathers, and the sins of the nation of Israel. We can't lose sight of the whole reason why we want to do what's right and, and walk in the light and keep the commandments and do something for God. What's the whole purpose? Why? If you say, hey, I want to get sin out of my life. I have the desire to get sin out of my life. If we were to stop and say, hey, what is the reason why you want to get sin out of your life? What is the reason why you want to stop sinning? What is it? It should be because you want to have a better relationship with God. So that's why it begins with confessing the sins that you have committed in the past. You know what it does is it shows great humility. It shows great humility when you go before God and you bow before God and you admit that you've done wrong. And that is when God is willing to extend forgiveness unto us. So the whole purpose of all of it, to lay aside the sin, is ultimately that we want to have a better relationship with God. The whole reason is because we want to have a better or a good relationship with God. I want you to turn with me now to 1 Kings chapter number 8, verse number 35. 1 Kings chapter number 8, verse number 35. So the very first thing that you should do is confess 
your sins to God. That's the very first thing that you should do is confess your sins to God. Confess your sins to Christ. 1 Kings chapter number 8, verse number 35. 1 Kings chapter number 8, verse number 35, it says that when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them. Then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. So notice there, the very first thing is to do what? It says to confess. Confess thy name. So what does it mean when it's saying confess thy name? A confession and a profession, people will confuse these two things, but they're not equivalent. They're not the same thing at all. A confession is admitting something. If someone confesses to something, what are they doing? They're confessing a wrong that they have done, right? Like when we look in Romans chapter number 10 and the Bible talks about thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that's not just saying you're just professing his name. What you're doing is you're confessing his name in place of your sins. That's the whole point. That you are confessing the name of Christ in place of your sin because you've done wrong. It's saying if you confess his name, he'll save you. What are you doing? You're admitting that you're, 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 you've done wrong and you need to be saved so you confess his name for the forgiveness of sins. That's, what this, that's what's going on here. They've done wrong. It says if you pray and confess his name. What are they doing? They're confessing the name of the Lord or the name of Jehovah for their sin because they have done wrong. It's an admittance of a wrongdoing. And in place of that, because they've done wrong, in order to receive forgiveness, they confess the Lord's name. They, they, they're asking for forgiveness, of course. So, but notice afterwards it says, verse number uh, 35, there it says, and confess thy name, and then it says, and turn from their sin. So that's the next step. First, of course, we, can, we have to, before we, before we start doing anything, right, before we actually start making a conversion or a change in our life, the very first thing that you need to do is acknowledge that the problem is there first. You need to take it to Jesus. You need to go privately and pray to God and confess this sin to God. But the next step, which is, of course, the most difficult step, is to cease from the sin. It's to cease to walk in this sin. It's to actually take the sin and to lay the sin aside. It's to take the weight and to put the weight aside. That's what we see there in verse number 35. First is the confession, and then it says, and turn from their sin. So it's turning away from the sin. It's stop sinning. Now this is, of course, is not for salvation. This is not, we're not speaking about, we're talking about an already saved person. We're talking about someone that is saved. But to be saved, you just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we have. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Turning from sin is works. Right now, that's why I just said a moment ago, this is the hardest part, right? Why? Because turning from sin is works. It's hard to get sin out of your life, right? It's hard to stop sinning. Whatever problem that you're thinking of personally that you have in your life, that you want to stop, you've probably thought about getting rid of this sin a lot, haven't you? Do you know why it's still in your life? Because it's difficult to get sin out of your life. It's difficult to stop sinning. Why do all the great Christians fall into sin in the Bible? Because sin is something that can all... That's why it says, that's so easily beset us, right? 
It's very easy for sin to get in our life and throw us off course or, 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 or stop us from serving God. It's very easy for you know, uh, uh, sin to be an impediment to us in our Christian walk or in our Christian life. I want you to turn with me now to 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 19. So this is the conversion. This is actually where the trans transformation begins. This is where the, the, uh, we're going to actually uh, take care of the problem in our lives. <clears throat> this is where we'll actually see the change as well. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. I want you to look with me at verse number 19. Verse number 19. Now, <clears throat> this... To get sin out of your life, let me say this before I move forward. The whole sermon is very basic. And, and, and not only is the sermon just, just basic as far as uh, uh, the scriptures, delivery, the understanding. It's not a deep doctrine. But even to get sin out of your life as far as the steps that are involved. Now, it may be hard to actually do this, but it's not hard to understand. And ultimately, what needs to be done is easy. Now, it can be difficult for us because of the temptation of sin and things along that line. But the steps that need to be taken and, the, and the, the conceptually, as far as what you need to understand in order to get the sin out of your life, the message of what do I have to do to get sin out of my life is very, very simple. First, it's confess the sin. And number two, it is just turn from the sin or depart from the sin. I'm going to show you this numerous times, how, how easy as far as what you must do is. Now, it may be difficult, but like I said, because of the temptation. But look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 19. It says this, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Then it says this, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. What do we have to do in order, first confess the sin, but in order to actually make a change in our life for the conversion, to actually have a change take place in our lives as Christians, what do we have to do? We have to just depart from iniquity. We have to lay aside that sin. Go with me to Ephesians 4.22. We're going to look at these quickly, these couple right here, real, real fast. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 22. Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 22, it says this, That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So here two times already we've seen advice in order to get sin out of our lives. What is it? Really three if we include 1 Kings 8. What does it tell us? Number one, in verse number 35 of, of chapter 8 of 1 Kings, it says, Turn from their sin, doesn't it? What does 2 Timothy 2 say? Depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. We look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. Talking about the old man. That's talking about the flesh. That's talking about our, our, our lives. You know, oftentimes, especially if you get, it, uh, get saved later in life, this can apply even more so because you spent time walking in that old man for many, many years, right? And you can look at that old man of who he is and you may feel, if you have grown as a Christian, transformed. And you may even feel as a totally different person, right? Well, those sins and that, that uh, a life of sin represents the old man. You know, that's who you were, right? What we need to do is we need to put off the old man. It's that simple. You need to depart from that iniquity. Look at Colossians 3. We'll see this again. Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 9. Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 9. <clears throat> the Bible says this, 
Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Notice how it says, with his deeds. And I preached about, you know, the, the old man versus the new man. I talked about how, how we need to envision it as being a different person and as he's your opponent. And you're fighting against him, right? Because you are. What does it say? With his deeds. He doesn't say with your deeds. He says with his deeds. As though it's a different man, right? Because it's the old man. How easy is it? He just says put it off. What, is, what was the title of the sermon? Laying aside the sin. Taking it and getting rid of it. You just set it aside and then you move forward. How easy is it? It's just departing from iniquity. If you had weights tied to your ankle, let's say you just had you know, uh, the sand weights that are just tied to your ankles. You're about to start running a race. How easy is it just to get rid of it? Just Velcro normally, right? Snap it off and toss it aside. That's the picture that Paul was painting. Lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You know what you need to do? You need to put off the old man. You need to depart from iniquity. The very first step is to confess that sin. The next step is to depart from iniquity. I want you to turn with me now to the book of John. John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> you're probably thinking this sermon is like the most simple sermon I think I've ever heard you preach before. It feels like you're not giving me any information of what I need to do in my life. I'm going to show you here a couple more verses that Jesus gives the exact same advice. Because everyone, and, and I want you to pay close attention to this next part, because it's probably going to maybe fill in that little gap. You're wondering, like, I don't feel like I'm getting much counsel here right now. I feel like you're just telling me to stop sinning, because I am. Everyone, if you look at people that need to, maybe they're, they're overweight and they need to lose weight. And, and this is a continual problem that they've struggled with. There, there's a very easy recipe to lose weight. It's extremely simple, isn't it? Right? Normally they have problems with eating too much. So number one, you know what you need to do? You need to stop eating, eating as much. You need to eat healthy. Number two, you know what you need to do? You need to get some exercise because you're not getting exercise. But when you talk to people all the time about losing weight and that want to lose weight and all these things, what are they looking for all the time? Yeah, they have excuses, but they always have some new... They're trying to find just some perfect diet. They always want some... Give me some new advice. There has to be this perfect diet. There has to be some perfect exercise. Do you know why? Because just doing what needs to be done is hard. That's profound, really. What do, what, doing what really needs to be done is difficult. So they're trying to find an easier route. They want it to be just done with, a, with just a snap of the fingers or a click of the heels. They know what they have to do to get it out of their life, to get this problem out of their life. People that want to make money, that maybe want to you know, uh, uh, further li their lives financially, and they're just fixated on it, which this should not be something of how we are, right? They're just fixated on making money. They're always looking for some easy way just to make money. They're always looking for just some simple way to just get money. But do you know what you have to do? Do you know how you make money? You have to work. You have to work hard. Do you know what it is? It's hard. So you know what you have to do, and it's very, very simple, and it's just as easy as you want to make money? You've got to work hard. You want to get rid of the extra weight that you have? You know what you got to do? Exercise and eat better. And you talk to these people that maybe want to you know, become rich one day and they always have some new scam or something and that's what they are a lot of the time because people will prey on those type of people. Some other way that they think that they're just going to make all this money quick. 
but it's not going to happen. You'd speak to any person. You know, there's the very few exceptions. It's, that's foolishness. I'm talking about 99.9% .9 of the time. You know how you're going to make more money if someone sought after that? Which, as Christians, that should the love of money is the root of all evil. That should not be our goal in life to become wealthy. Right? There's nothing wrong with becoming wealthy. There are many people in the Bible that became wealthy. Abraham and things like that. Lot was very, or, uh, Job was very wealthy. There's nothing wrong with, with that if God blesses us with that. But that should not be our goal in life. Do you know what anyone that becomes wealthy does? They work hard. They work hard for it. Because you know what you have to do? Work hard. It's exactly the same with getting sin out of your life. Do you know what you have to do? Just, just get rid of it. Just stop sinning. It's that simple. You have, but you know what you have to have? You have to have the desire to do it. That's what people lack. You actually have, that, you have to have that desire to really get what you want. The people that really want to lose weight, they do it. The people that really want to make money, do whatever it is, you know why? Because they just said, hey, I'm doing this. And they, they, they develop the motivation to do it. You know the people that really want to get sent out of their lives, you know what they do? They just stop doing it. Think about that. They just, you, know they, you know where it starts to step one? Because the ultimate goal, remember, is having a good relationship with God. It's having a good... Why are we doing this? Because we want to have a good relationship with God. We love God. We want to please Him. We want to make God happy with us. Right? You know, if, if you stop and think about, you know, um, the situation with, with Christ and taking our sins upon Himself and hanging on the tree, this is something that compels you to get sin out of your life. And I've thought about this for myself before. What happened while the Son of God was hanging on the tree? What happened? What did He say? Exactly. Exactly. He says, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Think about that. Now, now, we're told very plainly that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God will never totally withdraw himself from us you know, in, in the way that God the Father did from the Son of God. Right? He'll never just completely leave us. But we can have a rift between our relationship and our Father in heaven, God. Who wants, who wants to go through life, you know, just, just ha knowing that God is not happy with me. God is not pleased with me. I am not, you know, uh, I am not doing what God wants me to do. That should compel you. Yeah, you can, you can find ways to motivate yourself, but ultimately, you know what you have to do? Number one, you need to get right what you've done, what the wrongs that you've done in the past. You need to confess it and acknowledge it. And you need to be humble. Notice the word humility came up a few times. Notice the way that Nehemiah was praying. It was great humility, praying to God, asking for, for forgiveness. He confessed his sin. He acknowledged it. And he asked for forgiveness. God forgives you for those past sins, but now going forward, you know how to fix it? Just stop doing it. You have to decide you're just going to stop doing it. You turn with me to John 5. I want, I want you to see this in John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. We're going to begin reading normally copy and paste the whole verse. I only have one verse here. We're, we're going to read uh, uh, this whole scenario, then we're going to flip over to John 8 and see a very similar scenario. And I want you to notice the advice that Jesus gives these, these, these two people. Look at verse, uh, verse 1. We'll begin in verse 1. We'll read through it somewhat quickly until we get to more of the meat of this that I want to focus on. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. 
Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, watch this, Behold, thou art made whole. So he had received forgiveness. Then it says this, Sin no more, lest the worst thing come, come unto thee. What advice did Jesus give this man? Sin no more. That's all that he said. Sin no more. And he gives him, the, of course, the warning. Lest the worst thing come upon thee. Turn to John chapter number 8. Just flip over with me to John chapter number 8. I want you to see this, this occurring more than one time. Of course, we saw it already a few different times. 2 Timothy 2, 1 Kings 8. Saw it there in a few places. <clears throat> Colossians 3. Look here at John chapter number 8. Verse number 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse 8, And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. Verse 10, When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Verse 11. She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. So what is he saying? You receive forgiveness for the past sins. What do you do? How do we get that in our personal relationship? Confession. So that's the point Receive the, that we would, we would receive the forgiveness, right? But then when it, look what it says next. Go and sin no more. It's like, Jesus, please give me some profound advice. How do I get sin out of my life? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Do you know why people will ask questions like that? Because they want to do it the easy way. They want it to just disappear. They want it to just, just, just you know, not have the temptation any longer. You're going to have this temptation until the day that you die. You're going to have these problems until the day that you die. But you know what you need to do? 
You need to, get, of course, confess the sins of the past. But going forward, do you know how you get rid of it? You take it off, take the weight off, and just set it aside. Turn from the sin. Depart from iniquity. Put off the old man. Go and sin no more. Yeah, now there are things that can compel you. Yeah, your love for God should compel you to stop this sin. You can have things that motivate you and compel you. But ultimately, do you know what you need to do if you have a problem with weight? You know what you need to do? Just exercise. There's, no new, there's not a secret recipe. People are always searching for these secret recipes. But do you, do you know why they are? Do you know what they want? They want it to just be super easy. But it's not. It's difficult. Do you know what you need to do to get sin out of your life? Sin no more. It really is that simple. You need to make a decision. Hey, I'm laying aside this sin. I'm done with this sin. You know where it begins? Confessing it to God. That's where it starts. Confessing it and saying, I'm putting it off. And now going forward, I'm done with this sin. You need to identify a personal sin or maybe personal sins in your life. You should begin today... Find time to confess this sin. That's the first step to getting rid of it out of your life. Just moving forward. You know what Jesus says to do after that? Go and sin no more. It's that simple. Do you know why? It's that simple as far as the message. But actually doing it, I agree, it's difficult. But the message is simple. You know, lo losing weight, I'm sure, that's the perfect example because people always, it's one of those things out there, everybody's coming up with new diets, new ways to exercise and stuff. They're, they're scamming people. I'm, you know, if you want to lose weight, let me tell you, this is your two-step process. As we said, eat better, exercise. I don't care what, all, I don't even know these, I, I can't even begin, you know, I've never struggled with weight, I have to admit, as you can see, I'm, I've been a thin guy my whole life. But, the, I, I've heard all these names of all, of all these different, you know, weight watchers and all these things. If, if it works, it's going to have two elements to it. They're going to change your diet and they're going to give you, get you to exercise more. That's all. It's very simple. Give me a secret recipe. That's it. How am I going to earn money? Work hard. But what else? No. Work hard. Really? This is it. Why do people want some other? Because they want it to be easy. You want to get sin out of your life? Stop sinning. Now the things that will compel you, like I said, you need to do what you need to do as far as, you know, there are certain things that compel me, hey, my love for God, I'll use that. And you know, uh, turn to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. I'll give you one other thing that can maybe help compel you to get the sin out of your life, but you have to make the decision for yourself. They want other people to do the job too. They want it to be so easy where just somebody else can do it, don't they? They just want somebody else to just do all the work for them. They want to hire trainers and all that. You could do it all on your own. You could save all the money that you spend with your, your Weight Watchers membership. And just you personally change your diet and exercise at your house. Go spend that on you know, so, uh, a, a treadmill or something and you wouldn't have to you know, spend it monthly on a Weight Watchers program. I don't even know, maybe it's, I don't know how it works, but you know, you could just do it yourself because ultimately what they did was, hey, they knew, I know how to get people to lose weight. Let's start this program. And they dress it all up, but ultimately, you know what it boils down to? They change your diet and they get you to exercise. That's it. You know when people want to help people earn money, hey, let me do this, let me do that. If it is successful, oftentimes those things are total scams. Even in, even in the pyramid schemes, you know the people that end up actually excelling to the top? Those that work hard. 
it's not just like, oh, this pyramid scheme works for everybody. No matter how hard you work, you're all just going to become millionaires. That's ridiculous. Do you know who excels to the top of those pyramid schemes? The guy that would have done it without the pyramid scheme. He could have went and worked at a company and did the same thing. Sometimes you can maybe have more of an advantage in certain situations. Oftentimes those things are total scams. But certain, you know, certain companies or certain things, yeah, you might be able to find more of an advantage in ways like that, but do you know what it boils down to? One thing. What is the deciding factor? Hard work. You know what it boils down to? People that get the sin out of their life, you know what they do? They stop sinning. It's that simple. That's it. It's that easy. What did Jesus say? What advice did, what advice did Jesus give those that had sin in their lives? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. One of the things he did say was this, lest a worse thing come upon thee. So he gave a warning there, didn't he? So it can be things that can motivate us. The punishment of God. As Christians, once you're saved, it's by faith alone. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You can never lose your salvation ever. But that, yeah, you're going to go to heaven no matter what kind of life you live. But do you know what you can, you can do to yourself? You could destroy your life while on this earth. And just have one punishment from God after another. One chastening from God after another. Look at Proverbs chapter number 16, verse number 6. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And then it says this, And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Do you know what can help you to get the sin out of your life? The fear of the Lord. Do you know how you get the fear of the Lord? Reading the Word of God. Reading the commandments of God. You know what the king was supposed to do to keep him humble every day? He's supposed to write a copy of the Word of God. He's supposed to every day read it. He was supposed to handwrite it and he was supposed to read it every day. What was the reason why? To keep him humble. Why is he humble from reading the Word of God? Because he has a reverence for God by reading his Word. Do you know what's in the law, what they had at that time? All the punishments from God. All of, the, all of the, the, the wrath that God promised that He would pour out. You know, this is one thing that may compel you to go and sin no more. What did He say? Lest the worst thing come upon thee. You could destroy your life through sin. Maybe understanding the consequences of sin, that can compel you to stop sinning. But how simple is it as far as the recipe of what you have to do? Just go and sin no more. You have to make the decision. What it comes down to is you. What's the difference in the people that lose weight and the people that don't lose weight? The people that become financially successful and the people that don't. Who gets prosperity and who doesn't? Who's successful and who isn't? It comes down to those people, everyone that ended up losing the weight, they, there was a time when they made a personal decision. And they knew, I'm, I'm, losing, I'm, getting, I'm shedding this weight. I'm getting rid of it. I'm getting rid of this weight. There's a time when the man that, that wanted to become financially successful said, I'm doing whatever I have to do. Now, that's not the right attitude. I'm using these worldly examples, right? He says, I'm doing whatever I have to do to become wealthy. He made a decision at one point, and he knew, I'm going to work hard from here on out. There was a time when they made those decisions. You know what you need to do? You need to take that, make this sermon personal, and use this as a template for other sermons where you can apply each sermon personally to yourselves because each sermon should be uh, benefiting you going forward in your life and applying it practically. Identify a major sin that you struggle with in your life. Hopefully you don't have any major sins but whatever sin it may be. Identify you know, a sin in your life that you really struggle with and take that sin and confess it to God. 
at, for all, all of the, the transgressions of the past, and ask for forgiveness in a humble way like Nehemiah did for himself and the nation of Israel, and then make, and make your mind up going forward, I'm not going to commit this sin anymore. I'm done with this sin. I'm taking it I'm laying it aside. You want to be a better Christian? It's not, it's not, it's, you know, the best thing right now is not just run a little faster. Why not just take the weights off? Because people just want to do, I'm just going to go soul winning one more time a week. I'm just going to, yeah, that would be great. That, but you know what you need to first do before you start adding things to, to your to-do list? You need to start getting rid of some of the bad things in your life. And then you make room. Picture it as a house, right? You know, and, and, and you want to put clean vessels in the house. Things that are pure, things that are good. Think about your body like that, right? You want to put good things into your mind. Do you know what you need to do as a new Christian? Think, that's even a better example. You know what a, a brand new Christian needs to do? They've spent their whole life watching and thinking about junk and filthy things and terrible things, right? And they've seen horrible things on TV. You know what the very first thing they have to do before they just add all this good holy stuff? Is get rid of all the filth. And then put the good and the clean and the pure. You need to clean it out first. It's like when, when uh, uh, Nehemiah came to, uh, um, to the temple when he had left for a period of time and they set that guy's stuff up. And I can't remember his name. Uh, it wasn't Sambal and Tobiah, but they set his stuff up. Maybe it was Sambal. They set his stuff up in one, of the, in one of the rooms. He's not a priest. Do you know what Nehemiah did? He got rid of that guy. <laughs> he grabbed his bed, it says, and tossed his bed out. And he kicked this guy out. Some guy who's not a worshiper of God, obviously. He kicked that guy out of the temple. And then you know what they did? Right after, you know what it says right after that? Then they started carrying the clean vessels in. I don't know if you ever noticed that before. That popped into my mind just now. Then they started bringing the good things in. Because you've got to get the junk out first. You know what you need to do if you want to... I want to be the best Christian that I can be. That's a great attitude. Step one, confess your sins that you've committed in the past. Step two, get the other sins out of your life. And you know when you really... When you, when you get those... Whatever sin that is that you confess... Not the other sins. I, I worded that wrong. Get the sin out of your life. That particular sin. Get that sin out of your life. And you know what you'll realize too? Is that now you've created more time and room in your life. And you're more uh, in the mentality. You, you have a better mentality to do more for God now going forward. This is how we should be. Romans chapter number 13 verse number 14 tells us. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Confess the sin, and then we need to put the sin off. We need to put off the old man. You know what we need to do? Then, once we put off the old man, we put on the new man. We start adding the good. And going forward, another bit of advice. Like I said, I'll, I'll allude to basic parts here, basic tips. Don't make provision to fall back into that sin again. When you get that sin out of your life, identify the root of how you got access to that sin. Whatever it is. And then just nip it in the bud. Totally get rid of it. Whatever it may be. Wherever this is coming from, this particular sin in your life, you need to cut off the, the line of communication to this sin. Just so that you're not able to get access to it. You know, we need to you know, understand our flaws and, and, and understand who we are as men, I'm talking about mankind in general, and we're sinners. And if, you get, if your flesh gets the opportunity to go back to that sin, it will. So that's why you need to, you need to make it impossible 
to be able to go back to whatever that, that issue is. We need to not make provision for the flesh. That's how we need to, we need to move forward. We need to then start uh, um, you know, filling our lives up with things that are holy and harmless and pure once we get that sin out of our life. So number one, confess the sin. Identify the sin in your life, confess the sin, acknowledge the sin. And then number two, it's as simple as go and sin no more, as far as the message. It's difficult, but go and sin no more. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we